Hello and welcome to Future Fundamentals, the podcast direct from the Chief Investment Office at Deutsche Bank's International Private Bank that takes a long-term look at investment challenges. And today we're conducting our own version of a TED Talk, only this time TED stands for Technology, Environment and Demographics. Those are the three interlocking themes that inform so much of the Deutsche Bank Chief Investment Office's long-term thinking, and in particular, are at the heart of its 2021 annual outlook report. What will be the next big thing is about companies utilizing technology, not the technology itself, but companies utilizing the technology for, call it, disruptive innovations in their respective sectors. And we'll be taking a closer look at a subject that sits at the intersection of those three TED themes, medical technology. Sales in divisions that tend to focus on home care have dramatically gone up, while sales under the pandemic to hospitals, because they have been so saturated with COVID cases, have almost invariably gone down. So let's start by talking to Christian Nolting, who is Chief Investment Officer and Head of Investment Solutions at Deutsche Bank's International Private Bank. Christian, hello. Welcome to you. How are you today? I'm fine. Uh, talking from a very cold Frankfurt, uh, but uh, good to have this podcast. Really appreciate that. Could you give me a sort of brief overview of the, the, the idea of this TED concept, this technology, environment and demographics concept? Yeah, let me maybe start with the, our overall thinking in our Outlook 2021. We thought uh, we make it a little bit different this time. We have always come up with 10 themes and the way to invest. I think the year 2020 has shown again that you need really to be successful in investing, to have a robust strategic asset allocation and think then of additional themes around this. And again, that has proven to be really correct in 2020 and the years before. And so we decided, okay, let's use that experience as well. We have now for many, many years also to change the outlook a little bit and focus first on the robust portfolio investors should have, but then bring in some topics where we think things are really changing. And we can talk about Corona, of course, which is still a main topic, but we think in general, and that's something you can also find in our outlook, Corona has not changed the world, it has accelerated the trends uh, we have been seeing before. And our key investment themes can be probably compared within the three dimensions of, as you said, right, technology, demographics, and sustaining the world we live in. In short, the, what we call the TETS triangle. Um, and somehow it brings forward this interconnectedness of the world we live in and the pre-existing trends which I mentioned, which have been then accelerated by COVID-19. Yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but within that triangle, then you, you still have your sort of 10 themes for the year, do you? Correct, yeah. Uh, and of course, we are thinking through that kind of market environment, where's the next big thing coming from, right? And it's probably not coming from the say, top two sectors uh, we had in the last decades, which is, of course, pure technology or call it consumer discretionary. And, of course, at one point in time, it also energy. We, leave, we believe, really, what will be um, the next big thing is about companies utilizing technology, not the technology itself, but companies utilizing the technology for, call it, disruptive innovations in their respective sectors rather than as I mentioned, the underlying technology itself. And we expect this to materialize, especially uh, in the healthcare sector, and particularly in medtech. In that space, 
I think, as it can make an important contribution to sustain the world we live in as well. And when you, why do you think that's the case right now? What is it about medtech, do you think, right now that makes it such an interesting area? Yeah, I think, look, medtech is on the cusp of a period of great change as multiple forces really drive a transformation um, in the entire healthcare chain. And then you bring in digitalization as well and you combine technology with healthcare. And I think only, honestly, Corona is, I think, where everyone understands that that's the case, what's happening right now. And so you have this broad range of technologies which will help to move the medical devices sector where still the main route is investing into medtech. I think that's why it makes sense to call it this. And let me say it like this. It changes from a product-centric to a client-centric approach. And what do I mean by client-centric? You will be able, with all the devices and technology, to look much more into a single client. Call it client, this. And I think that's a massive change. So far, you go to the doctor every year, hopefully, or you have a plan uh, where you get some medicine. But, of course, normally you do only anything if something is wrong or you feel something's wrong. There could be a completely different approach when you say, okay, you have a client-centric approach. There are already apps out there where you probably follow this. And I think every human being would be interested to be healthy. So I think if we get this change... There's massive growth opportunities, and we are just about to start seeing that. So let's bring in somebody else in this area right now. Uh, Professor Konstantin Kusios is uh, Director of the Oxford Institute of Biomedical Engineering. Alongside his many academic achievements, he's founded a variety of companies developing new medical devices around drug delivery and non-invasive surgery, almost exactly the sort of thing uh, that Christian is talking about. Uh, Professor Kusios, uh, welcome. Good afternoon, and thank you very much for having me on this uh, wonderful broadcast. Perhaps you could just tell us a little bit about what the Oxford Institute of Biomedical Engineering does and, and how it operates and what you're trying to achieve. I, I'd be delighted to. So I feel very privileged to be to be working at um, the University of Oxford, um, where and in the same building as the Oxford vaccine was, was developed in collaboration with AstraZeneca in the past year. And I think it exemplifies uh, what we've tried to do, which is a pretty unique rapid innovation ecosystem. Um, so what we've tried to do is place physical scientists, engineers, technologists for the first time fully based on a clinical hospital site um, in order to directly work on patient and medical needs. And what that has enabled us to do through a combination of this approach and a very unusual investment strategy by the university is to have a very rapidly flourishing innovation ecosystem. We have spun out um, 20 companies in, in less than a decade, making us one of the most prolific um, um, spin-out initiators in the world amongst research institutions. And do you recognise the, the world that Christian is, is talking about when it comes to medical technology? There is no doubt that... Um, the healthcare sector is moving incredibly rapidly and evolving, and Christian is very right to identify it as a, a very significant opportunity over the next decade. Um, I think um, a very big part of what is changing is driven by society. We have uh, people living longer and wishing to live better for longer, and we also have a much greater focus on the financial and health economic sustainability of new innovations. Do you want to give us a summary of, of what we're talking about, either your own things or other things, you know, sort of specific examples of where medical technology is going? 
Absolutely. I've had the opportunity to work in, in three areas. In transplantation, for example, we have worked on the development of a new way of keeping organs alive prior to transplantation. A second example is um, a technology using ultrasound in order to improve the penetration of oncology drugs into tumours. And a third category would fall under image-guided uh, minimally invasive or non-invasive interventions. And, and is it difficult? You know, are there massive challenges in, in developing new devices and new, you know, new ways of treating people? Are there particular challenges that, that anyone, for instance, who might be interested in investing in this area needs to be very conscious of? Th that is an excellent question. I think what makes the, the medtech and, and the, the biotech sectors more broadly absolutely unique um, is how heavily driven they are by regulation. Um, and I think that makes it a pretty unique category of investment um, for patient capital. Christian, let's bring you back in as well uh, at the same time. So w when you hear that, uh, what Constantine is saying there, you know, I, I, I completely get the idea uh, that this is a massive area of potential investment, but it's also it's not an area without its challenges, is it? Yeah, of course, you need to uh, select what you want to invest in. And uh, as I always say, right, don't put all eggs into one basket. But I think it's only fair to say to look at those areas where we have the highest growth rate, potential growth rate, makes sense and has been proven really a good guidance also for investing. So if you look at the, the healthcare spending, this has reached uh, roughly $8 trillion in 2017 and then since then has been growing. Uh, and that's roughly 10% of global GDP. So it's one of the major areas really. And now, of course, with all the technology, um, we would be getting older, which I think is a good thing for I think most people, I would say. Uh, and uh, we have the population above 65 exceeding 1 billion by 2030. Uh, and only by that, of course, by definition, you would increase healthcare spending. So that's, that's the market er already. So, and then if you look in, in terms of the device market, and again, I don't want to give too many numbers, but I think it's really fascinating to see that. The, the growth rate is, is roughly 6.1% we can calculate out of this. I think you see that massive potential. And of course, then you need to look at your investments and select, but I think the overall market is extremely interesting. We've talked quite specifically about medical devices so far. In the broader world of, of med tech, uh, what other areas do you think are the, are the areas where, that, that investors perhaps should be looking at? I think as always in the history of investment, it is about anticipating future societal needs. And the same exact thing is true, of course, in medtech. Um, I see the area of neurotechnology um, as being one of the most promising of um, the next generation of investments. Um, I think the ability to modulate the human brain and deal with diseases of an aging population such as Alzheimer's or Parkinson's will be absolutely transformative and is a major focus for a vast number of device manufacturers and developers today. Um, a second um, very interesting area is changing the paradigm for the way we, we deliver drugs in the context of diseases such as cancer. And the third, which I think remains an extremely exciting area and will probably deliver a lot more in the next decade than it has in the previous decade, is a broad um, area of tissue engineering and ex vivo therapies. As we live longer, 
we have increasing need for replacing certain body parts, whether they be sort of a more orthopedic nature or, or of a more functional nature. And so far, the supply of these has been limited by donation. I think the ability to engineer, modulate, modify key organs and tissues outside the body uh, will only grow in the next 20 to 30 years, given a variety of approaches. So, so if I may ask a question also um, uh, to you, uh, Professor. So, uh, I read a lot, of course, uh, when you look at Corona, and uh, I think if you can say, at least in some countries, unfortunately, the entire healthcare systems are running close to or at their maximum capacities due to that pandemic. I think there's also a lot of discussion, and you mentioned this already, that the use of medical devices for home-based diagnosis and treating of medical conditions at home is increasing. So do you think that's also an area which could be also, again, driven by corona, be more uh, at, the, at the viewpoint of, of uh, areas here in markets? Uh, Christian, that is, a, that is an excellent question. I think there's going to be two major shifts along the direction that you described. The first is an, an increased use and validation of tools that enable remote diagnosis. But I think the second, which is perhaps most immediate, is putting the tools in the hands of patients that enables them in a safe way, whenever possible, to deliver their treatment, particularly for chronic conditions, at home. And if one scrutinizes the financial data of large medical device companies in the last year and a half, the financial data is there for everyone to see. Sales in divisions that tend to focus on home care have dramatically gone up, while sales under the pandemic to hospitals, because they have been so saturated with COVID cases, have almost invariably gone down. And are there other areas <clears throat> which are impacted by this, which also coincidentally or not coincidentally perhaps fall into the the uh, christian your your themes things like you know cyber security you know if, if if there's more digitalization of of medicine then that must mean there's more data around which needs to be pr protected right yeah, yeah obviously obviously so um that's a topic we came up with i think quite some time ago but this development again exactly shows what's your third first thought right if you are as a patient, but also as an investor. So what can happen if something goes wrong on the security? So cybersecurity is extremely important. And again, that shows this trend is even accelerated by this. So I think we need to look at companies profiting from the trends we have been describing, but also companies making sure that there's acceptance by the patients and the, the clients. And they will only do that if they are in an environment where they can be sure and, uh, that, that they are in a safe environment not only for the treatment itself, but also for the massive amount of data which needs to be exchanged, right? It's obvious from listening to you that there is plenty of new technology coming along and, and, and it's well, on the face of it obvious that it's a good thing to invest in. But that's the supply. What about the demand? You know, are we sure that there is demand for to spend more money on healthcare, particularly in areas away from COVID and vaccines and things like that, when so much of the healthcare, so much new healthcare money is going to have to go towards vaccines and things. There is very little that is coming through the innovation pipeline today that starts on the premise of anyone spending more money. Um, it is actually about making far more efficient use of healthcare expenditure that is already taking place. 
And let me give you a very simple example. Um, new generation drugs, for example, viruses or vaccines, um, which we've heard a lot about in the news in the past year, have a huge cost of manufacture. They have a very significant cost and the logistics of manufacture, as, as we have um, found out, are very, very challenging. If through the use of devices, we can enable um, treatments to be efficacious with a tenth or a hundredth of the amount of the therapeutic that is needed, simply by delivering it better, by providing better penetration, by providing a better therapeutic effect. There is therefore a huge opportunity to sell a solution, which would make it a very good investment, but for an overall saving to the healthcare provider. And I think it's these win-win situations that actually decrease overall expenditure whilst distributing the revenue slightly differently that I think are going to be winners in the next decade. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Nevertheless, I still would like to add, I don't have concern that there is money which will look into opportunities there. Um, because, as I mentioned, right, it's already a massive part of GDP uh, and because not only of demographics but also of other developments where the millennials are probably more open to technology, are, I think, quite, let's say, eager to use that kind of technologies, they would also spend money on this. So, I, honestly, I'm not so concerned that there's a question of not enough money going into the healthcare sector. And let me finish then with, with, with one more thought, perhaps, or one more question. Uh, uh, some time ago, uh, uh, Constantine, you talked briefly about the concept of patient capital. Um, it, this is an area where you do need patient capital. Development takes a long time. Christian, is there, a, is there an, um, an investment mindset that needs to appreciate the, the, this concept of very patient capital? Yeah, in a way, yes. But I have to say, if you look at performance of MedTech, of course, there was a downside also in March 2020 when the whole market collapsed, but it recovered earlier. So obviously, there is potential and we do see outperformance already now. And as you know, the market is discounting even long time trends uh, to quite a certain extent. So I, I would say let's not wait here because we think there is massive changes going on. And that's why we put it already as investment theme for this year and the future years. And I, I would like to add one thing to that, which is, of course, um, there is a, a stratification of opportunities even within medtech. So class three therapeutic devices will typically require the longest development time from start to end. Um, diagnostic devices will typically uh, require an intermediate um, uh, development time. And innovations like AI and software will be much more rapid turnaround, although still subjected to some regulatory hurdles. Yeah. So I think there is a very broad range of opportunities for almost every type of investor, patient or not. And of course, a potential return is higher if you pick the right thing at an earlier stage. So um, with, with a higher risk, obviously. But I think it's, it's all the ranges of uh, the, the, the timing of investment is already there. Gentlemen, we could talk all day, uh, and I have to say that's sort of one of the more fascinating half an hours I've had, certainly uh, in lockdown. Thank you both very much for your time and uh, and for your wisdom and your knowledge uh, today. That was Christian Nolting, who's Chief Investment Officer at Deutsche Bank's International Private Bank, and Professor Constantine Kustios, who is a Director of the Oxford Institute of Biomedical Engineering, amongst many 
other things. And if all that has done is whet your appetite for more information, you can find plenty to get your teeth into at deutschewealth.com. Or if you're interested in the work of the Institute of Biomedical Engineering, then you can uh, find out more there and contact them www.ibme.ox.ac.uk. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. See you next time. This podcast may be considered marketing material. The value of an investment can fall as well as rise, and you might not get back the amount you originally invested. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Deutsche Bank. The services described in this podcast are provided by Deutsche Bank AG or by its subsidiaries and or affiliates in accordance with appropriate local legislation and regulation. Deutsche Bank AG is subject to comprehensive supervision by the European Central Bank, ECB, by Germany's Federal Financial Supervisory Authority, BaFin, and by Germany's Central Bank, Deutsche Bundesbank. Brokerage services in the United States are offered through Deutsche Bank Securities Incorporated, a broker-dealer and registered investment advisor which conducts investment banking and securities activities in the United States. Deutsche Bank Securities Incorporated is a member of FINRA, NYSE and SIPC. Lending and banking services in the United States are offered through Deutsche Bank Trust Company Americas, member FDIC and other members of the Deutsche Bank Group. The product, services, information and or materials referred to within this podcast may not be available for residents of certain jurisdictions. Copyright 2021 Deutsche Bank AG and or its subsidiaries. All rights reserved. This podcast may not be used, reproduced, copied or modified without the written consent of Deutsche Bank AG.